Welcome to the Shannon Plan. This is episode 78. Episode Sean Coleman, if you are a sicko like me. My name is Kyle Posey. I am joined, as always, by Akash. Akash, we have one more game that the 49ers are unfortunately not playing in. I feel like they should be playing in. I feel like everybody would agree with that. But we will watch from afar. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. Um, it's bittersweet because the last probably month of football has been awesome. Not just the 49ers, but just all the games in general. And you realize with the Super Bowl that football season is going to come to an end. And it's fun for the first few weeks, right? You get a little break, uh, get to decompress a little bit, but then you're already starting to look forward to the following season. So it is what it is. Wish the Niners were playing, but um, yeah, they just came up short. Yeah, it's weird. So on my end, my job is to cover things that happen with the 49ers. So you don't want to talk about everything the first week after they get done playing. So you want to kind of stretch it out. But then eventually, like today is Wednesday, middle of the week. What are what are we supposed to talk about? Um, and then think about come like May and June, uh, the dead times. I'm, I'm dreading those days. But uh, free agency should be exciting. You know, we'll have plenty of things to talk about. I imagine there, gets, there will be a lot of turnover. And even though the 49ers don't have a first round draft pick, I feel like uh, they'll, they will find a way to make the draft exciting because they always do that. All right, let's get into what we are going to talk about today. And let's start with um, just the, where the 49ers stand with the rest of the division. So my question is, how are the 49ers set up for success compared to the rest of the NFC West? And by that, I want to talk about, obviously, the Rams who are in the Super Bowl. Then there are the Cardinals who probably aren't going to make be making a Super Bowl anytime soon. And then you have the Seahawks who might be a team pressing the reset button in. Uh, just completely starting over. So uh, the 49ers did not win the division this season, but it feels like they're in a position to where they, you know, I'm not going to say that they're going to win the division for the next five years, but it seems like they're in a position where, you know, they're at least be a playoff contender, even with a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback for, for years to come. Do you think that's accurate? Absolutely. I think they got, you know, pretty average quarterback play this season. Um, with some moments sprinkled in throughout the season to help them get some wins. But, you know, if, if Trey Lance is anything like that, you know, the 49ers are going to be right back in the playoffs. And you just look at the rest of the conference. I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. You just look at the lay of the land, and there's not very many teams that can push the 49ers. I think one of them, one of those teams is in their division with the Los Angeles Rams. Um, they're, I think, like $35 million over the salary cap, but they've got all their key guys re-signed, right? Matt Stafford, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup. Um, so they got all their big, you know, star players under contract. So I'm sure they'll find ways to rework those deals. And they continue to do that every offseason. So I will not be surprised once they do it again this year. And then the other team probably to look out for um, is if Aaron Rodgers stays, the Green Bay Packers. And I think those are really the two teams at the top of the NFC um, that'll give the 49ers problems. Everyone else is kind of in flux, right? Either need a quarterback. Um, or have a quarterback that's disgruntled, have a new coach. Um, so there's just a lot of turnover um, in the conference. So I think the 49ers are in a position to pounce, um, especially if Trey Lance is, you know, looks anything like he did in that week 17 start against the Texans. So I, I think they're certainly set up. Um, the NFC West, we've talked about it. Um, it's going to come down to the two other quarterbacks, Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. Kyler Murray, people making a big deal about him scrubbing his Instagram. Pretty cool marketing tactic, I thought, because now everyone's talking about him. But I think he's going to be back. But the real question mark on that team is can they stay healthy through the season? Can Cliff Kingsbury and Kyle Murray win games in November and December when it matters? 
And then with the does Seahawks, Chandler Jones come back? But like that's, that's another a good big question. So he's an unrestricted free agent. I I don't think JJ Watt is. I know he has a you know he has a pretty fat he's contract and yeah he he's older. So they have they have questions along the personnel um, department as well for some very important players. Absolutely. And then you know with Seattle, the question comes back to is Russell Wilson coming back? He made things weird last offseason, pseudo requesting a trade, but you know he had like a list, but he said he didn't request a trade, and then. So is he going to do that this offseason? Um, is he going to want out of Seattle? And obviously, if he if he leaves, then they'd probably blow that whole thing up. But um, if he comes back, then I can see them really, you know, um, finding ways to help that team because I think they've got like 34-ish million dollars of cap space. I'm sure they'll find ways to help that defense. Rashad Penny looked good down the stretch of the season. So maybe they make uh, a push as well. But I think the Niners should be right there. Um, they've got too much talent on this roster that's coming back. They've got a young quarterback who clearly is uh, very gifted. And if he is just able to continue on his path of growth, I think they'll be just fine next season. Yeah, you talk about the quarterback play just with Jimmy Garoppolo being average. I would say that's being kind because there were plenty of instances where uh, he wasn't average. And I feel like we can talk about that now that the season is going. What we saw, so you're seeing a bunch of clips. I think Seth Galina from PFF had a, cl- a thread of just the throws that Jimmy, Jimmy missed in the NFC Championship. And that was consistent. It wasn't like that was a one-off instance. Uh, he To say that he was holding the offense back is unfair in a sense because, again, like he was going to be the best option because Trey Lance just hadn't played and he wasn't ready to play right away. So that could be true at the same time that Jimmy was just leaving throws on the field and Kyle Shannon was consistently having to coach around the throws that he missed and the turnovers that he was making and not just the throws that he missed, but the throws that he did not take. I feel like that will be the biggest difference in the offense uh, if Trey Lance is aggressive and if he's willing to pull the trigger because I feel like um, coming out of college, he wasn't that guy. And, and Lance was a guy that would would rather hold the ball as opposed to, you know, making that tight window throw. So we'll see what another year under his belt. Um, we know he's going to go through an offseason where he's getting all the first team reps, where he's working out with the wide receivers, where, you know, he has that type of timing and continuity with the offense. So it'll be interesting to see what version of Trey Lance we get in his quote-unquote first uh, season with the 49ers as a full-time starter. Uh, That's going to be a topic that we're going to beat to death. So we we don't have to spend too much time on the quarterbacks. But, yeah, I agree just as far as the NFC West. There are more questions than than answers for a lot of teams outside of, you know, the Rams. I think the Rams are going to be good so long as they have those – their they're core guys. Yeah, they're they're superstars. Right. Jalen Ramsey isn't going anywhere. Aaron Donald isn't going anywhere. Matt Stafford is probably going to be able to play for a few more years at a high level. And they have – so I would be curious to see what happens with Odell Beckham because he is a free agent and that is Von a key Miller. free agent. Um, yep, Von Miller as well. But, you know, if they win the Super Bowl, you would imagine they roll they're going back. to be able to recruit. Yeah, they're going to – even if they can't get a Von Miller and Odell Beckham, they'll probably be able to replace him with, with a similar type of a player. And the Rams don't even believe in the salary cap, so it's not even uh, worth mentioning their cap situation. But, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, the other teams in the NFC. Uh, Tampa Bay, who's, a, you know, just won the Super Bowl. They don't have a quarterback now, and who, who knows what's going to happen there. Um, and then just going down the list of the other playoff teams, like the NFC West is – or the NFC East is always going to be a coin flip. The North, the Packers, like who knows if Aaron Rodgers is going to play there. And then um, there's not really a team outside of, you know, those ones that I just named that would even scare you if, you know, if you think Trey Lance is going to be a middling quarterback. So the 49ers are set, set up well for success 
but they're going to have to reload, retool this offseason. And to do that, they're going to have to, I think they need to be aggressive in free agency. And, you know, who knows whether they trade or release Jimmy Garoppolo, but they're going to have an extra 20 plus million to play with. And they should use that, especially while while uh, Lance is on his rookie contract. Sure, some of that will go into extending Nick Bosa and Debo Samuel. But as John Lynch said, that's already budgeted for. So let's go through some of the top positions of need. Off top, I think it should be stated that, you know, cornerback, interior offensive line, those are going to be the top ones and everybody knows that. But uh, what do you think are some some positions that maybe are going under the radar that, that some people aren't talking about? I think wide receiver is actually a sneaky position of need. Um, yes, they've got Debo Samuel, who they're probably going to split time now moving forward between wide receiver and running back at, at some capacity. I don't think he's going to play it running back as much as he did at the tail end of the season, but he's clearly going to split some reps. Then they've got Brandon Ayuk. Hopefully that's no longer an off-season story. Hopefully Brandon Ayuk is just the star he was kind of at the end of the season. He just rolls into training camp ready to roll, and we just don't have to talk about Ayuk, doghouse, all that stuff. And then you got Juwan Jennings, who's developing into this uh, nice third down machine for the 49ers, this red zone threat with his size. But beyond that, I don't think they have any other receivers under contract. And so now you risk, you know, depth at that position if anyone were to get hurt. Um, all of a sudden you're rolling out yeah, for like practice squad guys. So I think sneaky wide receiver uh, position of need. And then the other one that comes to mind is running back. Um, Elijah Mitchell, fantastic rookie season. Um, Jeff Wilson, is he going to come back? Raheem Mostert, do you think, you know, his speed returns after the injury he, he just suffered? So I think those two positions probably are the biggest on offense that come to mind um, outside, of, uh, outside of the obvious ones you mentioned. So I'm going through, I'm doing this piece on Niners Nation where I just go through every division and talk about free agents on every team that the team might be interested in. And for the NFC West on Wednesday, I, I mentioned Christian Kirk from the Cardinals and he just had a career year. So his price is probably, his price tag is probably inflated, but I feel like if the 49ers are going to go that route where they're adding, you know, wide receiver four and maybe somebody to challenge Juwan Jennings or just threat a, a deep threat, somebody down the field who, who still, they, they really don't have that guy. I think, you could be that guy, but he's going to be like your every down number one wide receiver. And then Debo is going to still do the Debo things. Juwan Jennings is going to be underneath. So I think you still want somebody who can be a vertical threat. Christian Kirk can be that guy. You can get that guy in the draft, too. I'm not saying you have to break the bank to, to find that. But I'm glad you did mention wide receiver because uh, they they tried to, you know, bring in Trent Sherfield. And I'm not saying that they were bringing him in in order to be a thousand yard receiver, but. I imagine when they brought him in, it was it was under the impression that he would give them more on offense than what he did this year. And I I honestly just think he was his frame was too slight to do the things that the 49ers asked him to. And then Mohamed Sanu is going to be an unrestricted free agent. He'll be 34. So, yeah, you, you want depth. And Richie James is as well. Go ahead. I was going to say, ironically, Sherfield was on the field for one of the bigger plays of that NFC title game where he was supposed to block Eric Weddle on the second and one play. Uh, in the fourth quarter and blew it. So um, it's kind of ironic that you bring him up. Yeah, that was, and that is, if we're talking about some like the lasting memories on the unrestricted free agents, uh, Tart has, Jaquaski Tart had the dropped interception. Uh, Trent Sherfield has a block where he could not get to a 38 year old safety and second and one turns into a loss and the 49ers, you know, 
aren't able to turn that drive into points. Uh, pretty two pretty critical plays, obviously in in a in the fourth quarter of an NFC championship. So I think, yeah, Sherfield, he played well on special teams, but you just want to see more out of a player. Like if you're going to sign him, it, it's hopefully you're at, you're getting some type of production um, on offense. So I agree. I, I'm interested to see, you know, how many resources they go or put into both the wide receiver and running back, because um, I think it's a good point about Raheem Mostert just coming off of injury. And, and, you know, if you've been following him, you know, this is far from his first injury. He's been banged up and, he's been banged up without having a full workload. So, uh, but at the same time, Elijah Mitchell does have a full, full workload and, you know, he proved that, you know, he's, who knows if he's going to be banged up throughout his career. So that's why I think, you know, the hope is Trey Sermon takes the next step. Um, you have Jamichael Hasty as well. He's an, I believe he's an EFRA. So those are the three and maybe just bring a veteran, you know, somebody to show those young guys the ropes. Uh, defensively, safety. Let's talk. Let's bring that up because uh, Tart, unrestricted free agent, uh, Talano Funga. He's a fifth round rookie, but yes, there were flashes. But I still think you know there should be ways to go for him to feel comfortable with him starting every snap. Tavon Wilson's an unrestricted free agent as well, so you need depth behind them. Marcel Harris, who was a linebacker, was a safety, but um, he's not going to be back either. So they need bodies at safety. I like the idea of bringing in a uh, former Stanford guy, Justin Reed. I you know there's, I've seen some names thrown around like Tyron Matt, like obviously the, the popular the names big ones, that yeah. people know, but I, I think Justin Reed would be a good fit for what the 49ers want to do. I think he's an athletic, he he's aggressive. I don't think he's going to, you know, really cost them too much. He did just play for the Texans. So uh, it, it shouldn't be one of those contracts that breaks the bank. Maybe play that home, come back home. Or I don't know if he's from the Bay area, but he spent time in Stanford and, um, it, it just seems like what he where he excels is exactly what D'Amico Ryan's ass out of his safety. So that would be my pick at safety. Um, but just looking at some of the other positions of need, do, do we skip any? Is there anything that we need to touch on out, um, outside of interior offensive line or not wide receiver cornerback? <laughs> no, I think I think you hit on the, the main one. Safety was also uh, a good Good one to touch on. Uh, Tarverius Moore should also be coming back. He's coming off the That's Achilles injury. Um, so I don't know what his status is going to be coming into the season, but I'd imagine he's going to be competing for a starting role. But I'm with you. I, I'm not entirely confident in Hufanga's play to name him the starter out the gates with Jimmy Ward every down. Um, somehow the ball seems to always find him, but I, I feel like he made enough mistakes this season that I would – be a little little hesitant just pushing on my chips with uh with the rookie yeah i mean again there are flashes but you never really watch Hufunga and came away thinking oh he's going to be the future like he is right. going to be a guy who will work in tandem and work in unison even with jimmy ward because you know when he played the further he got away from the line of scrimmage the more the he work, became yeah. you know like a question mark yeah and then he just didn't seem sure of himself so that's why i would go get a guy who's a veteran and then just continue to let Hufunga develop. And I forgot, I completely forgot about Tiberius Moore. I love him to death, man. I think he, like, especially for what Ryan's does, of just playing man coverage, being underneath, and just getting fast guys on the field, he would be great. Hopefully he comes back healthy. Hopefully he's as athletic as he was before he was hurt. But that would be a nice piece to bring back. Uh, cornerback is a huge one because Ambry Thomas, third-round rookie, played well uh, down the stretch, but he got picked on 
when he first came in, we got picked on when he left. And yeah. the Rams went out of their way to target him. Why wouldn't you? He's a rookie. So I think it's fair to assume that Thomas is going to improve. I also think it's dangerous to assume that he is going to develop into this, you know, concrete starter who is going to all of a sudden fix his issues of playing the ball in the air. And, right. you know, some of the just some of the, the things that it takes to excel for playing cornerback. So I would look to upgrade whether that and also, to be fair, Emmanuel Mosley is only under contract for one more year and he's been injured in two of the last, you know, each of the last two seasons. So expecting to get a full season out of him is a dangerous game to play as well. So I think the 49ers should use this offseason, use the money that they're going to have with Jimmy Garoppolo to invest heavily in center and cornerback. And I would not get get out of this offseason without, you know, going hard on one of those two positions or both. Honestly, and there are a ton of big names at cornerback. I mean, J.C. Jackson from the Patriots. He is a big one. Carlton Davis uh, from the Bucks. He's another big one. So there, there are a few names, a handful of names that are all under 30 that are all they can run. They have good size. So um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what direction the team goes. Because just based on, you know, what we saw in even, you know, Jason Rett is a free agent. K1 Williams is a free agent. So they're going to need bodies too, not just starters. Um, but I, I really do think that, you know, now more than ever should be uh, when they invest in cornerback. I was going to say, you brought up K1 Williams. Slot corner also sneaky big need. Um, I feel like a lot of people give K1 Williams a lot of credit and he deserves that as a blitzer and as a run defender. But man, was he picked on. Uh, in coverage, especially towards the end of the season, he just could just couldn't Often. run with just couldn't run with some of the receivers um, that they played down the stretch of the season. And so I would look to see if they can find a better, just pure cover corner in that spot. It was something we we touched on last off season, and we thought they'd go after someone from outside and not bring back K1 Williams. But um, Williams was available; he was available for cheap, so they were able to just kind of piece it back together. But I think that's somewhere where they look to upgrade, especially if Lenore. Um, the rookie this, from this past season can't necessarily step in. Yeah, Lenore didn't see the field because he just kept making mistakes. Um, K1 Williams, he'll be 31 by the time the season starts. And it's, again, great blitzer, one of their best run defenders. But on third downs, when you need to play man coverage, that is a guy who just showed that he, you know, he's probably not going to be able to stick with uh, the wide receivers, even in zone coverage on sometimes. It, it, NFC Championship. Uh, he's struggling to stay with Cup. Most people do that, but Cup wasn't the only receiver that you know he was struggling with. So uh, the guy that I mentioned in the NFC West piece, former 49er, the guy that they freaking drafted, DJ Reed, would be a guy that I would look at just because he is good in the, in the man coverage, in the slot. Uh, he has very good numbers in, against man coverage. He, against the 49ers, he played well in both games. Um, I, I believe he picked off Jimmy on the first one. He I did. think it was uh, K- guarding Kittle too. But I, I feel like slot corner is an important position. I also feel like it's a, a position where they don't have to really go deep in their pockets or open the check, but you should be able to find a slot cornerback without, you know, spending a lot of money. Okay, let's turn the page and let's go to the rookie class. So there's a giant question mark at the top because we don't know what we're getting out of Trey Lance. Still, um, I, I do believe that, it, you know, you just touched on it. What we saw against the Texans where you – that was exactly what you wanted to see. You saw flashes. You saw signs of high quality um, play from quarterback, whether it's IQ, whether it's knowing to go with football, arm strength, athleticism. Uh, Lance does have accuracy issues. That was the case coming out. That was still the case um, in his first two starts. 
I don't think it's fair to really assess what we saw from him just because the offense is going to be completely different. Like, think about it. The, in the both games that he played, like he had a week to prepare. This time around, again, he's going to have a full offseason. He's going to be able to work with all these guys. He's going to be the guy all offseason. When you are the guy, that changes in your preparation. I do not care what these players say. Uh, when backups tell you, oh, I was preparing to be the starter all along. Yes, you were. But now that you are the starter, you cannot tell me that things are will not be different. So I feel like, you know, if we're going down the draft class, Trey Lance is just going to have a question mark incomplete just because we don't know what we are seeing from him. I graded the next two picks, uh, Trey Sermon, or sorry, Aaron Banks and Trey Sermon, who didn't really see the field. Sermon had his opportunities. Banks, honestly, had an opportunity as well, but I would call both of those players unsatisfactory. Uh, you couldn't have asked for a better uh, a better opportunity to get on the field if you're either player. So Raheem Mostert was hurt after two carries. Uh, Daniel Brunskill didn't exactly light the world on fire at right guard. And there's kind of a revolt. There could have been a revolving door there. And then just turning back to the running back position, it would have seemed like that was a perfect situation for the running back you moved up for in the third round to play. Sure enough, as soon as Mostert went down, it was Elijah Mitchell who had 19 carries and. Uh, over the past five games, I believe he had 20 carries or more. So Mitchell is the guy at running back. But what what do you think happens with Trey Sermon moving forward? Are we going to see him improve? Are we going to see him just be a guy who is just an afterthought in the offense or what? Curious to see what Anthony Lynn, who the 49ers just hired uh, this past week, what his impact on Trey Sermon will be. Obviously, I think he's going to be working closely, you know, in the run game with the running backs. That's kind of been his area of expertise wherever he's been, Buffalo, uh, Detroit, um, San Diego, Los Angeles with the Chargers. And so I, I'd imagine he has a positive impact on Sermon. That being said, um, you know, the 49ers have whiffed on some running backs before. Joe Williams, you know, you can go through the list, but that's probably why they took uh, two running backs at that spot. They knew they had a position of need. They knew they had some free agents um, coming up this season. So it was kind of a long-term view and they just, you know, they probably hoped that Mostert and Wilson would stay healthy so they could kind of ease these guys in. But unfortunately those guys got hurt. Mitchell was thrown into the fire, looked really good. And you're hoping Sermon can kind of take that next step. And the biggest thing that we've seen from him is just this hesitation, maybe in the backfield. Elijah Mitchell was on Daniel Jeremiah's podcast yesterday and he was talking about how Kyle Shanahan emphasizes getting up the field one cut go see it you know hit the hole and just go and he hates dancing in the backfield and Trey Sermon had just a little bit of that and in the NFL with the speed that they have on defense you hesitate for like a split second and they get you so that's probably the biggest thing to emphasize with Sermon I don't know if he's going to get there or not um, I remember Bobby Turner talking about you know the 49ers trying to change Sermon's running style which probably means that he was a bad pick to begin with so Hope he's, not yeah, hope he's not a wasted third round pick, but I guess we'll, we'll give it one more season to see if he's able to kind of uh, make an impact on this offense. You can see when they threw Sermon the ball that, you know, he's comfortable catching the ball out of the backfield and that there's, there's a role for that on this team. Like they, I believe, especially with Lance, that they will have more, um, they'll ask more of their running backs out of the backfield. But just back to your point about Mitchell and Sermon coming out of the backfield and just running that wide zone, that stretch play. So the, the purpose of the running back is to press the line of scrimmage. So you want to get up to the line of scrimmage as fast as you can. And then as soon as you see a cut, that's where you cut it and you cut upfield. You're not looking to cut, you know, toward the sideline. I feel like Sermon's biggest issue was, first off, like he would 
he's not looking to get north and south. He's looking to cut it toward the sideline. He's looking to go east and west. And then you mentioned the dancing product. That is true. And it's unfortunate because there were holes for him and he did not take advantage of that. And it was the same with Jeff Wilson. It was weird just because Mitchell, all he did was run straight. Like he didn't do anything fancy or anything. He just, he just saw the hole. And instead of, you know, being indecisive, I guess is the best way to put it. He would press line of scrimmage. He would get through the line of scrimmage. Um, Sermon would not press the line of scrimmage. He would just kind of tippy toe toward the line. And for whatever reason, just wasn't sure of what he was seeing. And that's why we didn't see a lot of Sermon down the stretch or for the most part of the season. So, you know, hopefully he switches it up, changes it around, does whatever he needs to do over the offseason because he is talented. And I, I, again, Mitchell, like we don't know how healthy he will stay. So they might need Sermon down the stretch, especially if Mostert doesn't come back. So, yeah, I, I would say unsatisfactory. And then, again, Banks didn't play all year. And that is probably a little concerning. But Shannon mentioned just how, you know, he went through offseason. He had to get his weight down a little bit. And he had to get used to running a lot and, and used to – I guess he's not used to playing in the zone type of scheme that the 49ers played. Uh, some people have hinted at the Banks pick was for – Lance and they're going to be more of a downhill power type of team. Uh, we'll see if that rings true or not. All right, Ambry Thomas, we just talked about. I give him, I gave him a C plus because it, I mean it's 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 possible to play cornerback in this league, and the situation that he was thrown into was very difficult, and I think he handled it well. Did he play? You know, was he Deion Sanders out there? Of course not, but he made enough plays, and you saw growth down the stretch to make you think that he has a chance. And I feel like that was good enough. Uh, where would you grade uh, Sermon or not Sermon? Jeez, Thomas. <laughs> um, I would give him a satisfactory grade if we're if we're using your scale. Obviously, early in the season, Kyle Shanahan mentioned it as well. Just disappointing. You never thought, oh my God, how, you know, how can we trust this guy outside corner given what they saw in training camp? You mentioned this given what they saw early in the season and eventually he grew into a role um, where he could play, play on the outside. And he was kind of thrust into that spot because of need, because of injuries um, against Cincinnati, I believe, um, you know, with three or four weeks left in the season, but he looked good. He, he grew each week. Um, there was like a, there was like a tangible progression, like week one or like the first time he played, he was around the ball, but he was not necessarily making plays. And then the following week, he was making plays on the ball, but he dropped the interception maybe. And then eventually it led to, you know, the pick against Matt Stafford in week 18. So I'd say he had a satisfactory season. You would hope, again, he takes a leap forward during the offseason, comes in, builds more confidence. Um, but like you mentioned earlier, when we talked about free agent needs, I would still look to upgrade at the corner spot, give them some competition and not just rely on Mosley and Thomas going into next season. Yeah, and, and that is – terrifying in a sense to think of just because let's say the first game of the season is against the Rams and now you have to send out Thomas and you're hoping that he you know you can go through the same thing and you're hoping that he can guard cup this time you're hoping that he can guard Beckham or whoever they have out there so that's probably not what you want to rely on but that takes us to the fifth round and I feel like what I said with the fifth round selections were that there I mean the 49ers are playing with house money you're not relying on much production from a fifth rounder, anything that they get out of each of those three between Talanoa Funga, between Jalen Moore and between Lenore, you know, that that's just gravy. Uh, hopefully you get special team snaps, continue to get special team snaps out of Lenore and Ufunga. And I feel like Jalen Moore is a sneaky pick to be the right guard next season. Uh, if you remember, Shannon said that the plan was to work him out at guard 
but they were so banged up at tackle that he had to play tackle during the training or during training camp and just uh, during the off season. So maybe they use more who is big, powerful, athletic. He can move. He didn't really play. I believe it was week 12 when they were, they were switching back and forth between him and Tom Compton. And he just made some mistakes, whether it was, it wasn't getting the call or blown up. talking to the right guy. Yeah. And it, again, he's a fifth round rookie. He's going to make mistakes. So uh, the Fortnite's weren't in a position to let him play through those mistakes. And that's why they rolled with Compton. But I, his athletic profile and just his style of play really seems like it fits with what the 49ers want to do on the ground. And then hopefully, you know, he just develops awareness as a pass protector. So I'm curious to see what his role will be moving forward, but I would not rule out more as the starting guard. Um, again, I would, I give their fifth round picks, what probably like a C plus B minus, just because again, anything that you get out of this, any get player at the draft at this point is a positive, but you know, Funga made plays. He scored a freaking touchdown. He scored the only touchdown for the team in the NFC Championship. Uh, Lenore gave them snaps. Uh, there were quality snaps. They weren't all him getting beat on 90-yard touchdowns. And then, of course, who um, more played here and there sparingly, but but not enough. So, again, these are first-year players. We're not going to critique them too hard, especially being drafted in the fifth round. Agreed. I'd say with those late-round picks, you get – any production out of them as a depth piece, you know, spot starter, et cetera, I would say, you know, uh, found money. Cause just like you mentioned, you're playing with house money with those late picks. And that's where Elijah Mitchell is so valuable and he eases the Trey Sermon stuff. And I think you had the tweet on Niners nation's Twitter page about, you know, just the Niners last three drafts. And, you know, if you were just to kind of, if you were just to say, here's the players, you know, that the 49ers took and just gave them, all the names, but didn't tell you, you know, didn't say where they got drafted. You'd think they were pretty successful based on the names they hit because, you know, maybe they missed on some early picks, but they hit on some later picks. So it like kind of balanced out and yeah, it's not great in terms of value, but you know, you were able to find starters and players that are contributing um, at some point in the draft. And that's ultimately the goal. I don't understand that. So let's talk about the running backs. For example, Trey Sermon, looks like he's not going to be a hit. Elijah Mitchell looks like a clear hit. It doesn't, in my mind, it doesn't matter where you draft the players because once you get them all in, and of course you, you don't, you want to hit on your top 10 picks or whatever it may be. But when, when we're talking about third rounders and beyond, if you get anything out of them, you like it's a win and they should be viewed as, as such. So it, it's easy to nitpick, especially when you have those names right in front of you. But, yeah, I mean, when you're getting the type of production out of Elijah Mitchell or for all we know, like Banks can be a guy who ends up starting, you know, multiple games for them next year. And same with Jalen Moore. So that's how that's how I feel like we should view it. And real quick on the running backs, the reason that I think they should try to get more out of Trey Sermon is because I would be afraid of the whole longevity thing with Debo Samuel and just give, continuing to give him carries, continuing to, you know, make him take hits that he doesn't have to take. So. Uh, hopefully that guy can be Trey Sermon. The issue is Debo Samuel can take those and you know he's going to give you a big play. You don't know that is the case with, you know, whether it's Sermon and, and even Mitchell to a lesser degree. So um, keeping Debo healthy will be a focus. And for that to be a focus, you should probably lean on another running back, not named Debo Samuel. Okay, let's turn the page here from the rookie class. Um, 49ers, again, they have a lot to address this offseason. If we were to narrow it down to one, what is the one thing that this team has to address this offseason? Personally, I think the one thing they've got to address uh, is their offensive coaching staff. And, 
you know, they're going to lose some coaches. Uh, I just saw Eric Branch said that John Embry is going to follow Mike McDaniel out to Miami. Um, there's going to be some turnover along that coaching staff. And how can Kyle Shanahan kind of restock the cupboard? He's he's lost, um, you know, uh, Mike LaFleur and Mike McDaniel, his two right-hand men when he came to San Francisco in back-to-back seasons, right? LaFleur went to Jets. McDaniel's now the head coach at Miami. Looks like a baller, by the way. Um, and he's lost Embry. Um, and, you know, who knows who else um, is headed out the door. So I think Kyle Shanahan should look to address that spot. I know they've got Bobby, Bobby Slowick, um, who's been a quality control guy uh, on different sides of the ball. He's now their passing game specialist. So I imagine he becomes more important. Um, they've got one of the... Kubiak boys, I think it's Clay, not Clint. Um, who's like a, 27 Kubiaks in the NFL right Yeah, now. <laughs> yeah. I think he's a defensive quality control coach, yeah. which the Shanahan's like. They like their offensive guys spending a year on defense, trying to learn that side of the ball, and then coming back. If I can see him being important, I know they got Leonard Hankerson as, as a QC coach. So they've got you some – You think Scangrello stays or goes? I think he goes. Uh, and sorry, for those that don't know, it's, it's the quarterback's coach, Rich Scangarello. That's true. That's true. Um, so he, he was a guy that came back from Philly this past season. They brought him in, um, you know, to work with Grapple, work with Lance. I think he's gone. I think he follows either McDaniel, Kevin O'Connell. He follows one of these guys to a different spot because I think he could elevate himself from quarterback's coach to becoming an OC potentially. Right. So I think he leaves in, in the way of promotion. Um, but I saw he was actually partying in Vegas. I don't know if you saw it. I, I, it made me a sense. Yes. Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. But um he looked like such a geek man it was hilarious uh he was spinning right in but uh, no i think he's gone so now all of a sudden you got you know quarterbacks coach the running backs coach bobby turner 72 years old i imagine anthony lynn kind of fills in that spot um but you know tight ends coach john Embry gone who do they fill up fill with that spot receivers coach wes welker is going to stay there but and then now you got an open hole at oc so cal shanahan offensive staff they gotta address that in terms of just bringing an influx of uh, talent. Yeah, that's true. And replacing somebody who has been with you for over a decade is not an easy task. So you mentioned this, you you tweeted this out. Peter King talked about what Kyle Shanahan, it was Peter King or Albert Breer, I forget which one it was, but um, they were talking about what McDaniel was tasked to do leading up to the game each week. Kyle Shanahan yeah, was Albert Breer. Offense, is known, perfect, uh, Albert Brewer from Sports Illustrated. So Kyle Shanahan is known for running the ball. Everybody knows this. Kyle Shanahan gave the keys to Mike McDaniel every week and said, hey, you figure it out. You design our runs. And Breer talked about how it was almost over the head of the assistant coaches and they didn't understand what he was saying because it was so innovative and out of outside of the box. And he would work on that from Monday or Tuesday up to Wednesday. And then that's when they would all meet together while Kyle would focus on the passing game only. That is incredible to know. Like we knew that he was, you know, he had a big hand in the running game, but we didn't know that he was working on it by himself and he would take Debo with him. So to know you have to replace a guy who did in a sense, everything, yes, yes, everything for your running game. Uh, that will not be easy. And again, Anthony Lynn is known for that as well. But to think that he's going to have 
um, the insides, especially knowing that what Kyle Shanahan wants out of his running game will just be so difficult. So I feel like it's fair to assume that you know, they might take a step back on the running game, but at the same time, Shanahan has an idea and he like he knows where Mike McDaniel is coming from. Obviously, he knows you know, everything that Mike McDaniel thought about the running game just because of the, their time together. So, yeah, that'll be interesting. I think that's just a good point. You know, you there are going to be a lot of names that they will replace. There's going to be a lot of turnover on the roster, both on the player side and the personnel side, as far as the coaching side as well. So um, buckle up, I guess, is the best way to put it. We we have no idea what's going to happen. We have no idea who's going to be the offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, and other positions. So, okay, let's go to the player side, and let's talk about one player the 49ers cannot afford to lose this offseason. So I'm going to list the names of the unrestricted free agents on the 49ers. There are a lot, and it just tells you year to year. Um, there's not really, you know, it's it's a lot more difficult than I feel like people understand when you have to bring back all these type of players. All right, so here we go. Lincoln Thompson, Jason Brett, DJ Jones, Raheem Mostert, K1 Williams, Jeff Wilson, Ross Dwelly, Josh Norman, Marcel Harris, Mohamed Sanu, Jaquas Guitart, Davon Wilson, Tom Compton, Dante Johnson, Maurice Hurst, Arden Key, Jordan Willis, Trent Sherfield. Trent Cannon, Richie James, Kentavious Street. All of those players are unrestricted free agents. Which one of those do the 49 can the 49 not up for to lose? The first one you mentioned, Lincoln Tomlinson. Trench warfare. Um, if you watch any of the mic'd up clips with him and Trent Williams, clearly they've got a bond that goes just beyond the field. Um, being on that left side, Lincoln Tomlinson is a player that's basically played every game since he joined the 49ers uh, back in 2017. I think he was a fantastic addition then. He's just gotten better as a player. He's reliable. Um, and, I, you know, I would say he's someone that they have to have back. Just considering the questions they have at interior offensive line, right guard is a question mark with Brunskill and Aaron Banks. Center is Alex Mack coming back. Um, he's contemplating retirement or stepping away. And so you have to solidify the left guard position or otherwise all of a sudden you look around and it's Trent Williams and a bunch of guys, especially from McGlinchey's injury return isn't as smooth as we expect. So I, I would try to lock down Lake and Tomlinson. Um, obviously, I think he's going to be more expensive. I'd imagine he commands in the $10 million, $11 million range. That's kind of the going rate for, you know, good NFL guards and which I think is what he is. But at the same time, I think he's invaluable. And I think the 49ers have to find a way to bring him back. The way Trent Williams was, talks about him is like Lake and Tomlinson was making Trent Williams a better player. Uh, you're not going to be able to replace a guy who – so, again, the last thing you remember is Lake and Tomlinson struggling against the Rams. That is not the player he is. Every player in the NFL struggles against Aaron Donald. That's not fair to hold that against him. He didn't miss a start, man, in a league where that's where we see so many teams go through how many different combinations, offensive line combinations. Yeah, I just don't think you can let a guy like Lincoln Thompson walk away. My answer is somewhat of a one-year wonder, Arden Key. This guy has been a super talent all of his life. He was one of the top recruits coming out of college to LSU. Yeah, he went to this didn't little school well. called LSU. <laughs> yeah, didn't um, – didn't really pan out with the Raiders early on, but that was more of a scheme fit. And I feel like you can see now, especially this last season, where the 49ers were moving him around and not lining one player up in one position all year and expecting him to excel there. And it helps playing alongside Nick Bosa. Yes, it helps playing with Eric Armstead. Yes. Still, you have to win your one-on-one -on -one battles. 
and ooh, we did Arden Key do that. So we're seeing some people discuss, you know, when it comes to positions of need, that edge rusher is. And I just feel like if you bring back Arden Key, that solves a lot of your problems right there because who knows where you're going to get with from Javon Kenlaw moving forward. With that in mind, you have Eric Armstead inside. Now on the outside, you have Samson Ebicom, you have Arden Key. You have those two with Nick Bosa. You, there's no team in the NFL that would complain about oh, needing uh, pass rush help if that's the case. So bring back Arden Key. He's still young. Uh, one year under Chris Kosurik, we showed he showed what he could, he could do. I imagine he is only going to improve and just continue to grow as a player. Uh, the further, the more that he's you know around these type of players because they're all learning from each other. And I think that's something else that's important to, to point out too. Like uh, Key's probably taking some from. Abukam, Key's probably taking something from Bosa. Like they're all stealing different parts of each other's game from each other. And that is great. That, that's a good thing that should be encouraged. So my my answer is Arden Key. And yeah, I'm interested to see what type of deal he gets. Like, is he going to be like a, a one-year $12 million? Or is it going to be, you know, are they going to reward him after what we just saw this past season? Because down the stretch, he was pretty damn good man like he was a he was, good, good player he was fantastic and yeah i always just thought he was going to get the carry hider deal where it's just two years it's a little bit outside the 49ers price range and they just think okay we can do this again the real stud in that room is chris kasarek let's go ahead and find someone again same thing right um underutilized maybe utilized incorrectly hasn't produced but has the raw talent and skills to be able to do that and they develop that player as the season goes along and you know, some of the other names at Edge, Jordan Wills, Charles Amenhu, I'd imagine those guys come in as rotational depth pieces as well. I'm sure they'll be back. So I hope Key's back. I was singing his praises uh, just like you towards the end of the season. Um, and it would just be cool to see him get a big contract after kind of what he went through with uh, the Raiders. He was great. He was just fun to watch, man. And I feel like what, how he played, like how he celebrated and everything – like that was great to see, man. He, he was um, he was he was the third man. What so whenever the Niners would bring out the boom box, it, it would always be Debo, Trent Williams, and then Arden Key would be right behind the two. Oh, it, so he's coming back. That's all we need to know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, before we get out of here, let's just make some Super Bowl predictions. And the Rams, the Bengals, the 49ers did not lose to each of these teams when they played in the regular season, but they did in the NFC championship. As you know, what do you think happens? So we talked about this. We've talked about this game a little bit offline. To me, this screams Rams blowout. Like Joe Burrow's the story. He's the headliner. He's honestly he's so easy to root for because he knows how to play the position. Um, they have the wide receivers. I don't think they have a lick of defense. I think the, the Rams are going to be able to bomb it all over them. And I don't see the Bengals being able to block the Rams. This is going to sound wild, but I, I feel like the score is going to be something like 28-17, where it's just not really close. Um, I don't even know if we get a good game, which sucks because the playoffs have been unreal. The playoffs have been really impressive, and we've gotten some very quality games, but I just don't think we see one in the Super Bowl. So I think the Rams win, and it's going to suck for the 49ers to watch that, knowing that they controlled this team for a big part of – a large part of three games. and there there's they won't have anything to show for it but uh, i'm taking the rams who you got it's weird this super bowl week hasn't felt like a super bowl week and maybe maybe it's because we talk about the 49ers um and just because yeah just because they lost in the nfc championship it's been fairly quiet it the buzz or the hype has been kind of low considering it's in los angeles 
Um, and it's two, you know, pretty good teams, but yeah, maybe it's like their relative fan bases aren't big enough. It's not, you know, one of the powerhouse markets, just something like, it just feels off. Um, but I agree with you. We texted about this offline cause you and I are gambling degenerates and we're trying to figure out, uh, where to place our cash. But I agree, you know, it, it's the other intangible things is, you know, for the Rams, just have a ton of veterans a ton of guys that were on the 2019, 2018 team when they lost in the Super Bowl. Sean McVay, that coaching staff knows, I think, how to get a team ready for the Super Bowl. And then you look at the other side, Zach Taylor's first time, Joe Burrow, a lot of these guys, it's kind of their first ride into the Super Bowl. So you have to think, I wonder if they're just kind of excited to be there versus the Rams who feel like a good point. unfinished business. They're trying to close the deal. They know, you know, what's what's on the line for them. And so I just think it's going to be a little bit, a little bit too much for Cincinnati. They've had a fantastic season, but like you mentioned, I think that defensive front for the Rams is going to control everything. Um, I saw somewhere someone was saying that Mike Hilton had some success on Cooper Cup a couple years ago, um, <laughs> but I don't think that's going to hold. <laughs> I'm sure that's a great game plan to have. Right I think there. Cooper Cup is going going to eat. I know everyone's been pounding his overs uh, for yards and catches. It's like 100, um, which is it's insane. Still crazy, yeah. Yeah, so I just think the Rams are too much. They're in Los Angeles. They're in their home stadium. It just feels like, you know, they're going to put it together and come away with a big win. And uh, we're going to look up and Sean McVay is going to be a Super Bowl champ at the, at the end of it. So I've got the Rams. i got the Rams big. I agree. And all right, we will wrap that up. That'll do it for us. Uh, congrats to Mike McDaniel, man. He's he's interviewing right now he's he's been he was awesome and we all know that and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do with the dolphins he has his work cut out for them just because i mean they have a long ways to go as a franchise and an organization but if there's a guy who can turn something like what miami has put on the field around it's a guy like my uh, mike mcdaniel who who just understands what works in football and he also is a great communicator and um that's a big part of it. You can be as smart as you want to, but if you can't relate to your players and if you can't get the best out of your players, then you're not going to be a successful head coach and everything that we've seen from McDaniel has been. So rooting for him like crazy. Uh, hope that the Dolphins do well. Follow me on Twitter, KP underscore show. I, I'm going to get into the draft eventually. I feel like I, I'm, I'm more interested to see what the 49ers do in free agency, but it's just not a good draft class, so that's probably why I'm I'm hesitant to jump in. Uh, Kosh, you working on anything? Yeah, you can follow me at Twitter at A-K-S-H-A-N-A-V. Uh, we'll start to look at free agency stuff for Niners Nation, hopefully over the couple next couple of weeks. Combine's March 1st, and then free agency kicks, I think, like a week after. So we've got about a month here. Um, we'll start to look at all the different coaches that the 49ers hire, hopefully over the next week or two. Um, so they'll be they'll be – you know, stuff rolling in along. We'll keep the contact going. Please subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network, the Shannon Plan. Appreciate everyone for listening. Um, December and January were our biggest months um, till date. So we really do appreciate it. Keep tuning in. Go Niners. We'll be back next Wednesday. And we have some great guests coming up this week. We have Deion Sanders. We have George Kittle. We have Debo Samuel. So please tune in. And as Akash said, as always, go Niners.